It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Tuesday where we are now. One, two, let me guess. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's four days away from your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union season opener against Toronto FC. Everybody get excited. It feels like the season just ended, doesn't it? We're going to talk about it with Matt George, sports doctor, MD, who joins us on the phone live on podcast form that you're not listening to live from Delaware County. Matt, what's up, man? I'm deep in the depths of Delaware County. What's going on, Kevin? <laughs> deep in the depths of the Delco Times newsroom, correct? Beautiful, beautiful floor, more. Tomorrow, uh, Matt will be doing basketball for the Delco Times, but today we've got him doing soccer with us, Philadelphia Union season opener. I mean, I feel like we just did the season-ending episode not long ago. Like, Jesus Christ, weren't you and me and Dave just sit, sitting in here doing that, like, really not that long ago? Yeah, I think that was two weeks ago, which makes sense. You know, <laughs> you get a week of vacation, a week of preseason, and now we're back. I know. I feel like it was like a week and a half ago the three of us were sitting at Locopez in Fishtown, like – because I'm like, if I'm going to drag both of you guys up here for the season-ending podcast, which did very well, by the way, um, then I should at least buy you guys tacos. So that was, you know. Yeah, the flip side being that everyone, you know, a bunch of us were down at uh, Union Training this morning, on Tuesday morning, and we're all standing outside in the 20, you know, and it feels like 29 degrees and 20-mile-an-hour winds and going, okay, we can we can postpone this for a couple weeks. We don't have to start <laughs> just yet. Winter schedule. If ever there was a... You know, excuse to be made for the winter schedule. This is it, you know. Uh, man, you're gonna you're gonna have six thousand reasons. Yeah. Uh, for why you shouldn't be playing <laughs> soccer in uh, in Philadelphia in January, but that's about the point. All right. So look, I'm gonna ask you about uh, what happened down there today, or if there's anything to report from today. But first, um, let's do the CJ thing and get that out of the way and talk about that first. Um, Four hundred thousand dollars in allocation money from Chicago. Another fifty k in incentives. Um, you know, there's different. I guess they get two hundred k right away. I think was the the breakout, and then there was more that was a condi- uh, not conditional, but some might come next year. Or it might come when right. Chicago has it. There there are conditions that are put on it, but it's it's up to four hundred fifty k. Would you make it the trade and the dollar amount? Yeah, that's so. It was a new device for me. Uh, the we'll pay you when we get it. I didn't know that MLS worked like that. <laughs> Isn't that what the premise uh, of like ro- of like the, guess, the first you know, Rocky if movie? Got, if we've got some, you get the first crack at it, which I don't know how that changes <laughs> Chicago's incentives in dealing, but that's all beside the point. Um, I think it's a good deal from the union perspective, and I think it's a good deal um, from the C.J. Sapong perspective. I don't think he was going to play a ton this year. You know, he had the rough season last year. Uh, still managed to get into tw- into 32 games last year, which is uh, remarkable considering how much he struggled. But, you know, C.J. Sapong is a solid MLS striker, and if you give him if you give him 25 to 30 games, he's probably going to give you 8 to 10 goals most years. I don't think that there were uh, 25 to 30 games for him to have this year. I think he fell to a pretty clear fourth in the pecking order. I mean, he's he's certainly behind Fafa Pico and Corey Burke, who had great seasons last year. I think he's behind Sergio Santos because of all the money that they invested in him. And I think he's probably, you can make the argument that he's also behind David Akam because, A, Akam is more of a specialist as like a reserve to uh, Fafa. And, B, the union still invested a lot of money that they can't get out from immediately from Akam. So, Instead of selling a comm at what would have had to have been a pretty significant loss from the million plus dollars that they 
paid for them, they end up selling Sapong, and you get back four hundred, at least four hundred thousand dollars. He was due to make five twenty-five this year. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a pretty decent piece of business. That's a really good piece of business. You know, it's funny with the we'll pay you when we have the money thing. It sounds like something out of like a, a drug deal or something. Like you buy marijuana from your dealer and then you're like, look, man, I know I owe you hundred dollars. I'll get it to you. Just trust me. I'll get it to you when we get it. Um, this transaction. Yeah, my, is- my analogy was going to be when you're like, like, I feel like when you were in elementary school and you were like buying candy off of kids and they'd be like, listen, I don't have. I don't have peanut M&Ms, but the first peanut M&Ms I get, it's yours. Yeah, the next, as soon as I get it, I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> luck, luckily, this like is a great way to do international commerce, but <laughs> whatever. This is a little more buttoned up than uh, New Hanover Upper Frederick Elementary School up on Route 73, where I where I went to elementary school. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just. I think it's a really good piece of business when you consider the fact that, again, I mean, you can't reiterate it enough. Like, there's no wingers this year. So everybody who you who you could have said was a quote-unquote could have played left wing or right wing last year, they all get jumbled up into the same thing. And if we're looking down the depth chart, uh, number one, you got to say it's Santos. Uh, two or three would be Burke and Pico, who are both cheaper than CJ anyway. Um, and then f- four four and five is a com and and uh, CJ based on where you rate each of those guys. So if you are going into a game day 18 and you're starting two strikers and say say you put like um, a com and Burke both on the bench, then CJ, w- CJ wouldn't have even been in the game day 18, you know? Yeah, I think he would have been right on the fringe of the 18 most weeks. And, um, you know, if you're going to have that guy, then that's fine. But that guy's Casper Frisbilco, and you're going to pay – him, you know, whatever he's getting paid this year, which I imagine is probably close to around $80,000. So yeah. that's more in line. So they get out from under it. And I think it's a good move for CJ Sapong, too, because he, I think he just maybe needs a little bit of a change of scenery after a tough season last year. Um, you know, he's somewhere between the last two seasons. He's not a, he's not a guy that is going to produce two goals every 29 starts, and he's also not a guy that's going to produce uh, 16 goals every 30 starts. He's somewhere in the middle. And I think in Chicago, where they don't have a ton of striking depth, he's going to get some opportunities to play a little bit more of a straightforward, center-forward, you know, set-pieces and uh, set-pieces of crosses kind of game than he would play here with the Union. So I think it's going to work for him. Matt, you know that um, I was not really a CJ guy. Um, although I tried to give him credit for the hard work and the and the hustle and the hold up play and drawing fouls and stuff like that, try to give him credit for that where it was due. You know, I always mentioned uh, he broke his face on the first game here. You know, he came in and out of the starting lineup. He was always a really good dude, didn't complain, uh, whatever. You know, but I'd always I always felt like they could get more out of that position on the field, you know, more than the the nine goals or the seven goals or the four goals or whatever. You know, he had the big season with the 16 that he scored. Um, were, were, you a, were you a CJ guy? What was your take on him? I mean, I think CJ Sapong is a really solid archetype of a, maybe it's a little bit of a bygone era, but like a solid American forward archetype. If you think back to, yeah. um, maybe I don't put him in quite in the Clint Mathis territory, but if you think back to guys like Kenny Cooper and uh, Connor Casey, he's just a solid guy that if he's going to give you, uh, you, you know what you're going to get with him, and it's going to be somewhere between, I think, six and ten goals every year. The last two years have been outliers. And I think that if, you know, if Kai Kamara can keep playing until he's in his late 30s, I think there's going to be a spot in MLS for C.J. Sapong for a while. 
he's a kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to call him a late bloomer because he was uh, either one rookie of the year or was very high in the rookie of the year category. So, I, yeah. you know, I don't want to necessarily call him a late bloomer, but he's a guy that still is able to produce at a, at a higher age. I think for whatever reason last year, he just didn't mix well with the style of play that they were playing. Uh, him and Boric just didn't seem to always be on the same page. And I think there was something about the way that Fafa Pico played and the way that Corey Burke specifically played that position that just did better. Um, and I don't know that that was the changing system this year because the Ernst Tanner system was not necessarily going to be better for C.J. Sapong, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's just a thing of, you know, he didn't fit. Um, but I think at least until... You know, CJ's 34 or 35, there's going to be a spot for him in this league because of the work he does, because of his physical play, and because of the work that he's willing to put in. And, and it shouldn't be overlooked. I mean, CJ was always a really good behind-the-scenes guy. He was a huge part of that locker room. It was a very tight locker room, had a really good dynamic. Um, he's a guy that's mentored a lot of younger kids here. Uh, he, he certainly is very good in the community, all of his philanthropic work. Um, he's certainly a guy that, I don't know how he would phrase it, but I think he, he beats at a slightly different vibration than a lot of other people. <laughs> but he's a guy that fit in in Philadelphia, and I, I think that's a part of it, too, is that you know Chicago's going to get a guy like that who's going to fit in seamlessly in the locker room, and he's not a, he's not a me guy. He's going to be a, a really good team player. Yeah, I mean, I always brought that up on this podcast. You know, I talked ad nauseum about the idea that he was always like a, uh, you know, spiritual kind of lofty type of dude. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just always talked about the preference of like, you know, Carlos Ruiz was a guy who was an asshole who would grab a shirt or take a dive to earn a foul or do something, do whatever it takes to score. I always thought like CJ was too nice of a guy. And sometimes that came back to bite him in the ass. Because, you know, you, you know as well as I do, I mean, you were sitting there next to me when he got fouled like eight times in that one game against Montreal, you know, where Marco yeah. Donadell kicked him in the head and Saman jumped over his back and then somebody else chicken-winged him. And, you know, he just got killed and he never got the respect of MLS rest because he wasn't a big, you know, European name, you know, veteran, $1.5 million kind of player. So I don't know if he ever really helped himself out, out with that. But I think his legacy will probably be a guy who always worked his butt off here. Um, gave this team a lot of good minutes, scored a lot of goals, not a lot of highlight real stuff, but he was a poacher and a, and a hard worker and a target man. And, th and those are skills in itself. You know, I mean, that stuff's not, that stuff's hard to do. I mean, those, those are skills within themselves, but, um, I always just felt like they needed a little bit more out of that position. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I think he, I don't know that he goes down in union lore as a fan favorite necessarily, but you know he scored 36 MLS goals while he's here, and that's second most in franchise history. And yeah. I think it was 36 goals and maybe 14 assists or 19 assists. That's not right. a number offhand, but you know, yeah. let's help lead them to two playoff berths, two Open Cup finals. I mean, that, he he did a lot here. Yeah, no, you're right, man. Um, okay, so you well, you guys were down there today. Yeah, down there today, braving the cold. Um, I saw Tansy, I think, said that Sergio Santos is good to go for Saturday. What, uh, was there anything else that came up? Uh, not much. Uh, Mark McKenzie was out there training fully. He had a little bit of an ankle issue last week, I believe. Um, but he trained fully, did a lot of, actually did a lot of extra work shooting with a, a small group of guys. Um, uh, Warren Craval was out there. So I think pretty much everybody was out there with the exception of Elfino. 
Um, I don't think we've gotten a report yet on whatever his injury was after he uh, came up lame in the uh, in the DC game. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, I, I I don't know that him not training all that much on a day like today is necessarily that huge of a shock. It's not a great atmosphere out there for uh, a Brazilian who is used to having soft tissue injuries. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's probably the only one not ready to go right from the start. Um, all right, let's do the exercise then. Uh, season opener. Let's go. Uh, let's go back to front and try to piece together the starting lineup here. Or you tell me. I'll, I'll tell you what I would do, and you tell me what you would do. Uh, goalkeeper Andre Blake, um, yep. Mark McKenzie, and Austin Trusty. Absolutely. Although I will say, I think Jack Elliott has played really well in the preseason, and I would consider Jack Elliott almost as a third starting center back uh, rather than being clearly behind those two. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. a lot if, if McKenzie goes to the U20. I kind of agree with you, man, because for that patch last year when McKenzie was out, I thought Elliott came in and played really well. Absolutely. Um, what are you doing at right back? I think it's Ray Gaddis for now, uh, only because Olivier and Bezo had a little bit of a broken up preseason, uh, didn't play as much as I think the, the team would have wanted him to. And I don't think he's done enough to displace Ray at that position. I think Jim Curtin is still someone who, uh, even with Ernst Tanner's new tactical flexibility, he's still someone who's going to reward the people that put in the work. Uh, and I think Ray Gaddis has probably put in more preseason work yeah. uh, than in Bezo. But I, I, I feel like we said this multiple times in recent years, that long-term the, the aspiration is to have Ray Gaddis lose that job. Um, but I guess the long-term, the aspiration is for Mbezo to step up and win that job away from him. Yeah, I don't like the optics of it. I get it and all that sound, but I, I don't like the optics of Ray being a, a season starting the season opener after trading Keegan. You know, it just feels weird to me. Yeah, and I think especially what Ernst Tanner's new system asks from fullbacks yeah. is, I think, even less of a match for what Ray Gaddis is able to do as opposed to what he did last year. Well, and it's also a learning curve, too. Yeah, in yeah. terms of attacking numbers last year, but still, it's not his game. No, it's not because I mean, when you when you are, and that goes for for left back as well. Because I mean, like when you're reliant on those guys primarily for your width, um, that's never really been Ray's game. You know, getting back and forth. Um, what what about uh, what about left back then? I think it's Kai Wagner's job right now. Um, I think, again, Matt Real had a little bit of a broken-up preseason where he had a couple of injuries. He hasn't really shown a ton of durability early, and granted, it's only it's very early in his career. I guess this is year three for him as a professional. Um, but he's not a guy that's really shown a ton of durability yet. And I think, um, I think right now, Wagner's come in in a little bit better shape. I actually thought he played pretty well against uh, D.C., at least early. Yeah, um, I thought so, first, too. 20 or 30 minutes of that game, he got forward and had some some really good crosses. I think he can play a really dangerous ball with his left, mm-hmm. which is going to be important for them. Um, so I think uh, I think he's going to start to start the season. Uh, yeah, I agree. He hits a nice ball in the box. That's such a young backline, though, man. I mean, because he's 21, McKenzie is I've... 20. You know, you got like three guys who are like 20, 21. Yeah. Jeez. All yeah, right. and, could, and and the. the I think eventually you're going to get to a point where you're going to have four guys that are like that when Bezos steps in. 
I know it's crazy, man. Or you could, crazy. or you could actually even go younger with Real because Real is only twenty. <laughs> well, uh, you know, all the player kids people will love that. Of course, we all know that, that wins you nothing, but it'll be a nice statistic we can throw around there. You know, um, that's true. Okay, defensive mid. Are you playing Madunian in? I think at home he's going to be. I I would put it this way. I think Harris is going to have the opportunity to retain or lose the job. I think he gets first crack at it. I think at home, the ability of him to kind of sit and play as a deep-lying regista uh, within this system kind of works. I, I do have some concerns about his uh, how much ground he can cover at this point. Um, but I think for now, if they're going to play more attack-minded at home, he would be the guy to be the number six. So um, I would say that I would have Medunian in. And then on either side, I would play Bedoya and Jones. I don't know which side I would put each one on, but I would use those two. I think that would be uh, I think that would be the sound way to start. Um, I don't know why I haven't exactly gotten a feeling that Derek Jones has, uh, you know, taken the preseason by the scruff of its neck in the way that maybe Jim Curtin would want him to. Yeah. Um, just a feeling that I've gotten from talking to some people. I, I think this is positioned to possibly be a breakout year for Derek Jones, but it requires him to take those steps. And I, you know, I just. Just in reading into how much people have praised Anthony Fontana in the preseason, how much they've praised Brendan Aronson, and how much Derek Jones has been praised in past preseasons, but not necessarily this preseason. I don't know if it's just that the expectations are being raised and that maybe he's not as quickly meeting them, but I, I don't know. It's a little bit of a a little bit of a down vibe on that. But I I, I think he's the secure um, the secure choice probably on the left and have Bedoya on the right. That said, last Wednesday in that D.C. game, uh, Jim Curtin talked to us earlier in the day and said, we're going to put out a more attack-minded lineup, and this is how we would want to line up at home. Yeah. That had Elsino on the left. Yeah. Or, or, or Elsino on the right. Oh, he was on the right. Bedoya yeah. on the left, I Bedoya forget. Bedoya was on the left, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. interesting. That's interesting to, to me, if, yeah. Okay, that's the way they want to play at home. Maybe that opens the door for Aronson to get the start in the first first game instead of Jones. I don't know. Yeah, it could. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, it's interesting to see for me, um, you know, how much if they can put attack quote unquote attack minded guys into those positions, you know, or if they need more bite defensively. But I got to see how it plays out, you know. Um, tip of the diamond, we're both putting Fabian. Uh, Absolutely. I see. I, I strikers. I, I guess I'm going with uh, Santos and Pico. I think, but it's hard for me to say because I don't really. I need to see more of Santos to know what he is. I'm. I, I think people know I'm not as high on Corey Burke uh, as everybody else is. I'm not down on him. I mean, I think he's a good player and I think he deserves a lot of minutes this year. But I, I can't think of a. Uh, th that's my three. I don't know which two to go with out of those guys until I see what Santos is at, at the MLS level. You know. Yeah, I think I would start Pico and Burke uh, this weekend um, just for the familiarity aspect of it. And, um, True. You know, maybe that maybe that knee knock a little bit with Santos last week is a mitigating factor. Um, but I, I, I like the way those two play together. You saw it in the D.C. game where they came on late and had some really good chemistry. And, you know, those are two guys that scored 10 goals each last year. There's not a lot of teams that can say, they have that in their roster, two 10-goal scorers. Yeah. Um, and I'd be interested to see um, how this new system fits for Fafa Pico. 
because he was so good last year on the wing. And, uh, you know, I had an interesting conversation with him last week uh, for a story that I wrote for The Athletic. But one of the things that he said that really stuck out to me is that now that he's going to be playing up top more, there's more of an opportunity for him to use his kind of quick speed and to have shorter runs. So he doesn't have to pick the ball up at midfield and make a 40-yard dash to get into the box. He can, if the high pressure works right, they can create turnovers 35 yards from goal, and then it's quick in 1-2. I'll be interested to see how that works, and I think that's going to suit Fafa Pico maybe even better than we have, uh, than we think. I, I think his finishing has gotten better in his time that he's been with the Union. It probably still isn't as good as he would want or as it should be. Um, but I'll be interested to see how he adapts to this new system because I think it could be really good. Yeah, I hear you. And it'll be interesting, too, because when teams would play with just Burke or just Sapong up top, they could push the line up high knowing that he wasn't – that they weren't speed threats to get behind him, you know, but that they were just going to tangle with him physically. Uh, so I'm interested to see if they can stretch teams that way and make them sit that line back a little deeper. Uh, it's just hard to say a lot of that stuff until I see it actually happen on the field, you know? Um, Absolutely. What do you, uh, so, so what do you got for, like, a record in points? I mean, they went from 37 points to 42 to 42 to 50 last year. I, I think they – I mean, it's really hard for me to say with Jim rolling out a new system and trying to coach somebody else's system and somebody else's style. Uh, I mean, I could see them finishing anywhere from 48 to 52, but – I don't. I don't think they're any better than like a like a fifth place. I could see them finishing anywhere from fifth to seventh. Yeah, I I think they're better than they were last year compared to the rest of the league. Um, I, I I think this is legitimately for the first time a top six roster in the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't think they have a better roster than Atlanta or Red Bulls or uh, NYCFC and. The NYCFC comes with a little bit of a caveat as to how they fix, how they fill in the void of David Villa. Yeah. Um, but I think after you get past those three teams, you can kind of start to think of the Union as being maybe that next team. I mean, Toronto has, looks like it has issues. Montreal, I'm not terribly convinced about. Orlando, who the hell knows from one day to another. Um I think Columbus still has a really good roster, but yeah. you've got another year on Tipa Iguain's legs. You've got a new coach, and you've got Zach Steffen leaving in the summer. Um, so they have some sizable questions. They'll be in the conversation, but they have some sizable question marks. You have the Revs, who just did whatever they did last week, giving up a touchdown to Orlando City. Yeah. Uh, to the Orlando City B team. Um, and you have FC Cincinnati coming in as an expansion team. So I don't. I, I could see the union. Um, I could see the union really pushing heavily for one of those playoff spots, one of those home playoff spots, either in the three or four. I think they'll take advantage of the fact that Atlanta and Red Bulls have Concacaf uh, Champions League uh, responsibilities. Yes. And I think if they can get off to a quick start this year, which is not something they've ever done in the past, um, then it could be a really interesting season. They've they've shown the ability in the past to peak in the summer, in August, in July and August when the weather gets warm. But usually that's been compensating for just absolutely terrible starts. Even last year was a terrible start. Um, so if they can finally get that piece right of how to figure it out in March and April, then maybe you can start to see something different. Um, I would set I would set 50 through 
52 points because they'll have to have more draws this year than last year. Yeah. I would say 52 points is kind of their uh, their goal. I'll say um, I'll say 50 51 points um, and either fifth or sixth. I think they'll I think fifth and 51. I don't know if 51 points is enough to get you to. Well, yeah, because I don't think the East is as strong as it as maybe it was last year. So I'll say 51 points in fifth place, um, and that's what I'll do. Um, I think the I think the East is weaker than it was last year. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. Last one for you, man. I mean, I'll let it you... has to be. You take out. I mean, you take out the uh, Almiron, Tyler Adams. It has to be weaker. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and Toronto looks like they're down too. Um, okay. Last one for you. I'll let you go. Um, okay. Fill in the blanks. In order for the Union to make the playoffs. Blank. Marco Fabian has to play at least twenty-eight games. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would say, in order for the Union to make the playoffs, comma, the young defense has to hold up. I'm just really concerned about the fullbacks, man. I agree. I, I think you saw that in that DC game where there's still struggling with some of like you look at the goal that Wayne Rooney scored and I know it's Wayne Rooney and I know it's you know it, it's a good midfield play but they look like they're still trying to figure out that spacing between Harris and the back line and you know when the fullbacks go forward the center backs tend to no longer stay level and that creates confusion you know yeah. who's stepping who's staying who's recovering that's going to be I think a little bit of a work in progress Matt to George, Sports Doctor MD at Sports Doctor MD on Twitter. You know him. You probably read his stuff. And if you haven't read his stuff on the Athletic, you have to subscribe to the Athletic now. I'm t- I'm telling you, it's 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 worth every cheap dollar that you have to spend for the subscription fee. I read the Athletic probably every other day. Uh, Shields stuff on there, Derek stuff, Rich's stuff, Matt Matt stuff on there. Um, Philadelphia Union season opener. We will see what happens. I will not be watching it because I have an all-day baby class, but I'll be thinking of you guys when you're freezing your asses off out there. All right, man? All right. Good luck on learning how to be a baby. (laughs) Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes, all right? Awesome. All right, man. See you. All right, it's time for your questions, comments, concerns, and whining and bitching. But first... We're going to take some uh, mean crossing broad soccer comments, which we haven't done uh, in a while. But, you know, I really haven't written a lot about the union during the offseason, obviously. Uh, but this, these are in our response to the CJ Sapong thanklessly worked his butt off story. And this one is from, oh, wait, hang on. Let's get some music going here. Let's turn it up right now. Okay, this one's from the United States. He says, we will never care about soccer. Well, that's not true. I think you're full of shit because all you had to do is look at MLS Cup and see what happened with the attendance in Atlanta. So how about that, loser? Uh, Stick to Ice Hockey says, sad you wasted all this time. Nobody cares. If there ever was a case for copying and pasting, it's Philadelphia Union content. Time's yours. Well, Stick to Ice Hockey, I think it's time for you to... uh, stick to whatever the fuck you do uh seriously says this shit on harper and simmer day shame 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 yeah well we did like 12 stories on the website yesterday and we did like a lot more on bryce harper and wayne simmons than we did on the union so you can handle one soccer story every so often uh shart shart says 
Uh, Union soccer starts this weekend. Come down to Chester and celebrate the start of the Union's 10th season and 8th year of their rebuild. Uh, they might have even paved the parking lot by now. If not, be prepared to have a half-baked parking lot attendant charge you 20 bucks and then wave you into a puddle six inches deep and three times the size of your car. Come see the lovely, spacious trophy case. That was pretty good. Um, Thick Ropes Cuz says, Hey, Kink, so PST was just canned by NBC and Cartoon Boy. Uh, over at philly.com and cartoon boy at philly.com has the scoop he's talking about rob tournament i'm not into the union that much but bro come on and uh yeah i know well these stories don't like write themselves like you actually have to go into the paid wordpress you got to open a thing you got to write some you got to write the story you got to set a a featured image you got to tag it you got to write a headline these things don't just magically appear um and that's it that is the last uh, mean crossing broad soccer comment. So without further ado, then, it is time for me to go onto my phone, open the Twitter app here, press my profile thing, and find the tweet where I was asking about questions. Uh, la 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 la. Rick McGovern, is it really the union's 10th anniversary? Yeah, it is. Season number 10, man. Isn't that kind of crazy? They have yet to win a playoff game. But, you know, they went from 30-whatever points to 42 to 42 to 50, so they have been getting better. Uh, you know, I feel like the goalposts keep moving, but they are getting better. Uh, Dr. Evil says, I watched a Sons of Ben movie yesterday. Will we ever see that enthusiasm for Chester and the team ever again? What's the chance of the rest of the stadium project ever happening? No, you're never going to see that again, not unless the, you know a new owner comes in and puts a bunch of money into the project because it was all fresh and new back then. That was year number one, year number two. It was all exciting. It was brand new. Um, yeah, even the best things, even if the team is still good, the buzz might not even be like that because you can only have that atmosphere once. You know what I mean? You'll never replicate that, you know opening of uh, PPL and and those early years you know I still remember all these games from the 2011 season you know more than games that happened more recently just because it was it was more it sticks in your memory back then four to four against New England you know from 2011 Velko Ponovich's goal in Chicago you know you got like memories from those two seasons that stick out a lot more than anything uh, Kevin says, what is more important for the union's success Santos banging in goals Fabian pulling the strings Curtin's game management or Harris's pointer finger. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of Madunian and pointing at people and telling them where to go, especially in a new system. God, uh, the most important thing is Curtin's game management or, or more so just how he if he can coach this team to play a different system than something something different than what he's taught his entire career. Um, that's really it. You know, I wonder how many games they'll give him if they're not winning. Uh, before Ernst Tanner says, look, I'm going to bring in somebody who can teach my system. Um, I can't imagine really how much pressure is on Jim going into this season, not only to teach something that he's not super familiar with, but, you know, having a different boss over his shoulder. And I I don't know what what Tanner is like with him behind the scenes, you know. But Jim Curtin and Brett Brown, man, they both got a lot on their shoulders right now, that's for sure. Uh, Jim says, playing anything other than the sacred 4-2-3-1 will have significant consequences. Will this team finally be able to adapt and game plan, or will the soccer gods punish this heresy? Well, I mean, we're going to find out. I, I always My thing with Ernie and Jim, when they say, well, we do 4-2-3-1, we want to teach this because, you know, we want to get our base solid. You know, we, you know, 
we had those quotes from Ernie where he was talking about them not being able to learn another system. And I think that was straight up bullshit. I think obviously players are smart enough to know how to play in more than one system. So, uh, yeah, the coach is important, but it's also on the players to, to deliver, you know? So I don't, I I always thought that was an overrated quote from Ernie saying, well, they're having trouble with what we're teaching them right now. Well, geez. I mean, like if we can switch formations in the Casa league with, with ex college players and a couple like USL players and surely at the MLS level, they can figure it out. Right. Uh, pretzel life is throwing two questions at me here he says what happens when bedoya gets injured well they go to craval or aronson you know i think jones bedoya craval and aronson are probably like you know and you'll see if you want to throw them in there are probably like the five guys that they're considering for those shuttler positions pretzel life number two attendance guests for the home opener considering the weather i don't know is it supposed to rain or snow or something i don't think it is but uh assuming it's just gonna be cold as balls um he says less than 10k now i say like 11 or 12 I don't know. Are people really excited? Um, I think season tickets were around like 9,000 or something like that. <clears throat> Ryan says the depth chart by position. Yeah. Um, we, Matt and I did the starting lineups, but where will Casper, uh, Aronson, Fontana find minutes? Real or Wagner starting at left back? Jones starting. I had Jones starting. Uh, I guess we think Wagner is going to be the guy at left back. Aronson seems like they're higher on him than Fontana. And then if, if uh, you know, if Aronson's more of an eight – uh, and Fontana, I don't know if they see him as an eight or a 10. He could be a shuttler or he could be a backup for Fabian. But I think they like Elsino as, as the direct number two um, in that attacking midfield position behind Marco Fabian. Uh, Andrew says, will the union find a new way to crush us or stick with the tried and true late season ineptitude method? Uh, no, it'll probably be the tried and true late season ineptitude method when all the cream rises to the top and the union lose two times in a row to NYC and bomb out of the U.S. Open Cup final and play like, uh, play like trash. Uh, Mike says, how likely is it that Blake is sold after the Gold Cup? How likely is it that we see the sale of McKenzie and or trustee in the near future and who is more likely to move? How much does each player go for two to three million each? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I th- Andre, I, I feel like that's kind of cooled off. You know, I mean, I feel like he would have to have a pretty good gold cup to reignite interest at this point. I don't know what the market is for him or if teams are really that interested in him. I mean, he's not, he's a stable goalkeeper now, a solid goalkeeper now, but he's not getting the talk that he was getting a couple years ago. Is he? Uh, he's still young in goalkeeper years, but I don't know. I just feel like that's cooled off a little bit. I feel like McKenzie gets more talk than Trusty. Um, you know, if Mark goes to the U-20 World Cup and has a lot of eyeballs on him there, uh, then there that that might lend to him being more of a target in the transfer market. Two to three million each? I don't really know. Um, was there a transfer fee or Miazga? I can't remember. Was that five million? Shit, I should know these things. Um, I think it'd be McKenzie, though. Um, Philly Patrick says, will Fafa improve this season? And will Harris keep his starting role under the new system as he doesn't contribute much to defense? Well, yeah, remember, I mean, part of the reason that you're playing a diamond or, or theoretically like is because it's, it's, there's two bodies that are closer to Harris. So they should be better in transition defense and, and mitigate some of his defensive concerns by playing this formation in the first place. I don't know what Ernst feels about Harris. I'm told, I was told by the mystery person that he's not super high on him. Uh, but I think there's a role for Madunian and if Bedoya and Jones or whoever's on the other side are doing enough defensive work for him, I still like him at home for sure. Um, I thought it was interesting what Matt said about that. Um, Kevin says, as of right now, how do you think the union matchup compared to Toronto? Um, 
I mean, pretty good. Toronto got their ass kicked in the Champions League, and they play again tonight, I think it is. They had Justin Morrow playing like as a left winger in a 4-3-3, and I think they had the rookie that they drafted out of the Super Draft, like the fifth or sixth overall pick. He was playing on the right side with, with Boyd in front of him. Um, I don't know, man. Losing Javinka, losing Vasquez, I don't think Toronto's going to be that good this year. I mean, I think they're primed for a for a pretty uh, a pretty steep drop, consi- considering what their standard was the last couple of years. I don't think they're going to be a horrible team, but I don't think they're going to be the elite team that they were in the past. Uh, have the Union given up on Fontana? I don't know. And with CJ gone, what do you think they'll do with the 450K? Uh, just hang on to it for now. Um, don't got to do anything with it right now. Summer transfer window, maybe a buy down or something. We'll see. Uh, Joe House says, was there an update about the tension between Ramos and Ernst, R.E. McKenzie in the U-20 World Cup? No, not that I know of. I mean, they, that really played out really early in the news cycle, didn't it? Um, <clears throat> yeah, something more happens with that or if, if that gets into whatever. We'll get um, <clears throat> the Shiretta back on here, Brian Shiretta. But I don't. I don't think there was really anything more. To, I think some people came out and said this is people are making this more of a situation than it really is. You know, I think both sides are trying to get their point of view out there early, uh, try to establish themselves, knowing that it wasn't going to be a thing for the next couple months until the the World Cup actually hits. You know, <clears throat> Don, uh, prediction as to what will be needed to watch this season: uh, a brew or two to get me through, or fuck it, it's game day. I need a beer till I'm blind. Um, it's going to be both, you know, in the beginning of the season, it'll be, I need beer till I'm blind. And then in the middle, they'll go on their winning streak and they'll just start clobbering teams throughout the summer, you know? So that'll be a brew or two. And then at the end of the season, they'll go back to, you need to drink until you're blind probably. So, and we'll see where the Phillies are with Bryce Harper. They can sign him. And if there's going to be eyeballs on the Phillies this summer, and if that affects the union in any way, shape or form, uh, W Bev. Airbev1993 says, how do you get Santos, Burke, Fafa, and Fabian on the field at the same time as starters? Uh, you can't, not in this uh, shape, but unless if you wanted to try Fafa Pico as a shuttler, like on the left side, you could. I don't think he does enough defensively, and I don't think that's where you want him. Anyway. I don't think that's his best position, but if they're going to play 4-4-2 diamond, that's really the only way uh, you could do it because you're not playing Santos or Burke back there, you know, so... Uh, Fafa would make the most sense as a guy who's probably played more wing during his career than those other guys, you know. Um, Ryan Dietz, which, uh, which, Ryan Dietz, which of trustee McKenzie and Jones do you think that you will transfer profit off of first? Yeah, I think it's McKenzie. Uh, Justin says, who do you think works best in the midfield diamond? Fabian Bedoya are obvious. I also assume Harris, but that leaves one spot open. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me to put the starting lineup out there, it's Madunian in, it's Bedoya on one side, it's Jones on the other side, and it's Marco Fabian at the tip of the tip of the diamond. Uh, Rich Ransom, new pro soccer team in Philadelphia at Franklin Field. Will people in the city really migrate to them instead of the Union Philly Fury ASL NISA League? is who he tagged uh no i don't think so i don't think so because the quality is just still is still not gonna be i mean unless they come out like like uh kicking ass all over the place i I still think people would see the union as the as the premier team in town no matter where they're playing you know so uh gonzo on soccer says thoughts on the new supporter group um, yeah, I don't really know what this is. I saw something on like one of the Facebook discussion pages. I don't know if it was come on the U or if it was Philadelphia Union fan discussion, but, uh, some people were trying to start like a new little group within a group in the river end. And I don't know the politics of the sons of Ben or like 
if people poo poo little splinter groups, I know you used to have like the corner creeps and the, uh, what the hell are they called? The, the irregulars or some shit. I don't remember what they were called. Something like that. I don't really know about all that stuff. I don't really care about that stuff, but I'm going to give you guys the outside perspective as somebody who sat in the press box for six years and looked down at the river and like, um, you know, you guys aren't, you guys, you guys aren't filling it up. So, I don't really give a shit who wants to sing or who doesn't want to sing or what group you want to be in or what group you don't want to be in. If this guy likes four leaf clover, if this guy thinks four leaf clover sucks or something like that, um, it looks corny when the river end is really not that is really not full, you know? And then when you take into consideration, the river end only holds like what, like 3000 seats or something like that. So, uh, when you consider the, the, the sons of Ben and the supporters section, their standing, uh, and their influence on the team, it really is not, uh, the same as the other 15,000 people in the stadium in the other seats who are bringing kids to their game, to the games or their little, uh, youth soccer team. And they're buying hot dogs and jerseys and this and that. I would think, I would think that they might spend more money overall on season tickets and the experience and stuff like that than what the sons of Ben or the people sitting in the river end are. I mean, I need to see more numbers on that, but it used to be that way. I mean, I need to see updated numbers on that. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, whatever, if people want to sit in the river and get the river end full and get it back to what it was first. And if you want, and if that means that it's 99 different groups of like a hundred people versus one group of, you know, 75 people or whatever the fuck, I don't really care. You know, it's just the optics of the river end being empty. just don't look good. You know? So I, I get it. Like there's not been that much to cheer about and it gets stale and it gets old, but that's just my opinion. That's just like my opinion, man. Another one from Gonzo is being greedy here. Uh, will Akam see minutes assume Fafa, Santos, and Akam play the same forward position? Or is he destined to be the most expensive union bench option? I don't know, David Akam, man. He's kind of an X factor here, you know? Uh, I don't think anybody is saying you got to start him right now because you want to see what Santos has. Like Matt's saying, you got Pico and Burke who are 10 goal scorers. So Akam off the bench? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, you know, if you when we were doing that – that depth chart, you know, I had Santos, Burke, Pico, and then, you know, a common Sapong is like a four five. I think I, I'd, I had a com as a four Sapong as a five. And then Prish Bilko as a six, cause I don't know a damn thing about him. Um, I just think it is what it is. It's not a slight on David, a but he's got a lot to prove after last year. I don't know what the hell he is. I really don't Alex M uh, who needs a Twitter avatar. It's just a blank thing here. Come on, Alex. Uh, who do you think gets the most minutes off the bench this season out of Ilsenio, Craval, Fontana, and Aronson? I'll say it's Ilsenio if he's healthy. I mean, assuming all four of these guys are healthy, I think they'd go with Ilsenio first, but they seem to be high on Aronson. Uh, John Jensen says, what is your best guess at the plan if Fabian gets injured or leaves for the Gold Cup, uh, try to replace or go with a different formation? Uh, I think Ilsenio steps in and plays that, but they also have Aronson and Fontana who can too. I think they're okay at that position. Uh, separately, he says, am I foolish to get excited for this season? There's so much possibility before anything happens. No, no, but there's a lot of question marks too. I mean, it seems like the, the you know, I'm making a thing with my hands where I'm pulling them out wider. I feel like the floor is is lower this year, but I also feel like the ceiling is higher. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I feel like they can achieve more this year, but I'm also really worried about the defense. It's a young defense, man. Like, the fullbacks, I just, I just really don't know. Um so they made some good signings, and I thought they had a really good summer. But I could see, you know, I could see reasons why they would struggle this year, and I can see reasons why they would be really successful. I think it's it's wider if you're going floor 
floor to ceiling. I don't think the the union ceiling was as high as it was. Uh, I think it's high, much higher than it was last year. But I also feel like the floor has not come up. You know, I still feel like the floor is relatively low, if that makes sense. Uh, David Bennett says, who would get fired first, Brett Brown coaching the Union or Jim Curtin coaching the Sixers? <laughs> um, yeah, probably Jim Curtin coaching the Sixers. Man, I just, dude, all the shit that Brett takes, man. And I'm a Brett Brown neutral, and, like, we argue about it on Slack all the time, crossing broad Slack chat. Um, you know, at least Brett Brown could just throw 11 dudes out there and say, all right, go play. You know, it, the, the optics, it would be easy. It would be, easier to see a fuck up from Jim Curtin in basketball than it would from Brett Brown in, in soccer, you know? It's a good question. Uh, John Nagy, if Gaddis and Wagner, uh, I gotta keep saying, I want to keep saying Wagner. If uh, Gaddis and Wagner end up the starters of fullbacks and Jones does not start, what does that tell us about the quality of the homegrowns? Yeah, I mean, I get that. There's always something riding on putting your guys out there to prove that they have it, but you still have McKenzie and Trusty playing, you know? So... I don't know if there's a certain percentage, like you need to say like X amount of homegrowns need to be on the field out of people that we've graduated in order to justify that we're doing the right thing or that we're, we're doing the right thing with minutes here. But I don't know. Ideally you'd want all of them to be, to be featured, you know, Colin says, what are your thoughts on our backline depth? More of a summertime issue with Ray Allen McKenzie in the U twenties and trusty possibility in gold cup. It is. But again, I just, dude, I don't know. I mean, I really like what you have at center back with Aurelian Collin and Jack Elliott backing up McKenzie and Trusty. I think you're fine with that. I still think, you know, Trusty Austin made some bad mistakes last year. Two own goals. Uh, McKenzie's young and, and would have a penchant for, you know, maybe these guys have sort of a sophomore slump or they get, you know, uh, you know, have, have a bit of a regression. I don't know. Uh, I like the depth behind those guys for sure. Um, you always have question marks when you have the young guys that young in the starting roles, but fullback, man. Kai Wagner, third division Germany. Ray Gaddis, sort of a veteran who's who's steady, but you know did not play well in big games last year. New York City, New York City, and Houston. Uh, Matt Real, I don't know what he is, and Baizo, I don't know what he is. I just don't, man. It's the biggest weakness on this team. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rosenberry signing an extension to stay in Colorado? Yeah, good for him, man. I'm really interested to see how he does out there. I'll fire that up on ESPN Plus while I'm down in uh, May's Landing, uh, chilling with my daughter uh, at the beach. Uh, Big Mac, I'm shocked with the Marco signing. Uh, things are so quiet. I'm shocked that with the Marco signing, things are so quiet about the new season. Yeah, but I mean, it's just that's that's to be expected because people see what they've seen before and they're always pensive and kind of hesitant to say this is the year because I think people have been burned in the past and they're very wary to jump back on the union bandwagon unless they actually go out and win a couple games, you know? So I think people are just like always tentative based on the history of the team. Uh, his prediction is that attendance takes another dip this year and the U continues to not make a mark on the local sports scene. I could see it, you know, if Bryce Harper goes to the Phillies or either, even if he doesn't, I mean, they're a lot better this year with uh, Real Muto and Segura and Andrew McCutcheon and stuff like that. So this window where the Phillies were dog shit and you had neutrals who were saying, well, should I go, pick the odd game down at Talon or should I go to a Phillies game? Like, I don't think, I don't think that's much of a question this year. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I think the floor is low too. And you don't know about Fabian's injury history either. You know I mean? That could be something too. Um, Big Mac says that the, you need to win two playoff series. One isn't good enough. No, I mean, I disagree. I think one is good enough because it's progress. I mean, I'd say that this season's a failure if they don't win a playoff game though, you know? Well, we'll say a playoff se yeah, we'll say a playoff series. Even if it's a one game series, if it's a wild card, I'd say they gotta win it. Or else 
or else they have not advanced any further than they've ever advanced before. I think that's pretty simple. I think you got to win a playoff series. Uh, United Die says, what was your opening day lineup versus Toronto? We went over that, but for me, it's Blake, uh, McKenzie. I guess I'd go with Wagner. Um, I don't know. Maybe play Gaddis on the left. Shit, I don't. I don't know. Um, whatever. I already did that. But thanks for the question, man. Uh, and the last one's from Jared Remster. What's more likely this year: the Union getting a home playoff game or winning a playoff game? Um, well, they could win a playoff game on the road as a five seed. I don't know. I see him as like a five to six, maybe. I don't know. You might be able to talk me into fourth place. It's hard to talk me into a fourth place finish for the Union based on what they've been all these years, but um, it's more likely for them to win a playoff game than to get a home playoff game, I think. So, all right, that's all we got, man. 50 minutes. Got another Union season, man. Time is flying when you're having fun. Holy shit, I can't believe we're playing again. It feels like the Sixers season has been going on for years, and I feel like the MLS offseason was like nothing. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, Baxter was here too. Um, he saw a squirrel outside. I think he went back downstairs, but he says, woof, woof, woof. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah!